Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you from Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington on the Soundcasting Network, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead mountain dog diet trainer for John Meadows. And today we are interviewing IFBB Pro Stephanie Billings. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm doing really great. How are you? Awesome. Chris, how are, how are we doing, bud? I'm, I'm doing well, man. Luckily, you gave me a break to stop doing client updates. So oh, okay. I'm on the computer for the next hour. <laughs> all right. All right. So today's interview, guys, um, is with uh, a figure IFBB Pro and the coach of Peaches Figure Salon. So she has a women's team in the Northwest here and where, how, how, before we get into the intro, yeah. how, how big is your team and how broad of an area does it represent? Like where are all your girls from first yeah. off? So right now we have about 36 girls. Um, okay. I have my team myself and then I have another coach in Lacey, Washington. Okay. So I'm based primarily here in Seattle and um, train at a facility in Renton, okay. so not too far from here. Right. And then we serve women all over the Pacific Northwest, from Seattle to Olympia and everywhere okay. in between. So, so um, Stephanie, uh, for you guys out there, Stephanie turned pro in 2009 at the Team Universe competition in the figure division. And um, she's a former cheerleader from Kentucky and she has a master's degree in health behavior from Western Kentucky. And Stephanie, go ahead and take it away with kind of your background and how you got into the industry from athletics and cheerleading. Um, and you know, why did you get into, uh, fitness and figure and competing in the first place? Give us a little background on that. Yeah. I'll try to make a, a long story for a little short. Right, right. Um, but I was born and raised in Kentucky. I was raised in a funeral home. My father was a mortician and I mean, still currently is to this day. And he's yeah. actually the corner of the County that I was wow. raised in too. So in case anybody needs those services. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, um, my two brothers have continued on the business with him. So it's definitely a family run and operated okay. business operation. So nonetheless, that's kind of the environment in which I was raised. And I was even doing a post about it today. My mom constantly telling me to choose to be happy right. and choose to be happy in that environment, yeah. which was definitely a, a big foundation of the person I am today, right. no doubt. Um, young in my adolescence, I experienced a lot of hormonal issues, yeah. which definitely cultivated my uh, desire and want to pursue fitness and health because trying to figure out kind of my own nuances through my family history, I saw so many other people struggle too. Right. And so um, as a teenager, I kind of really put the pieces of the puzzle together. But nonetheless, I battled some serious eating issues and trying to battle my hormones because I wasn't like the other girls. Right. I didn't feel like I was like the other girls. And then at 16, I fell down a flight of stairs at a high school dance and on these beautiful Spice Girl, you know, high heels. Right. Um, and literally it just crashed and burned down the stairs. And I went to one of the oldest high schools in Louisville. So the stairs were cast iron. Right. Um, and did some really severe damage to my glute and my hamstring. Okay. And so I, man, I very much didn't do a lot of the things necessary for that injury at that time. And a lot of people in my life didn't know what to do either. Cause I mean, what do you do for a torn muscle? Right. Um, and so that injury, man, it just further plagued me in my adolescence. I mean, yeah. I was 16 when it happened. I right. was a very active cheerleader at the time. I cheered for an all boys school, went to an all girls school. Um, I was the captain of my team. So I was like really, I was really in it. I really loved it and I loved doing it a lot. Um, and so when I went to college, I, you know, dealing with hormonal issues, I was put on birth control when I was 12 years old. Um, and I didn't really have an appropriate place in college. Yeah. And I found the weight room. Um, my brothers were super athletic. My mom made sure that we played sports growing up. I mean, right. they were football stars. Both of them were. 
Um, and so the weight room was very comfortable to me. My brothers spent a lot of time there, so right. I felt good there. Yeah. <clears throat> my mom made sure we had a membership at the YMCA. So they, my mom and dad played racquetball. They were incredibly active. So we weren't the healthiest of families. Like my mom raised us on, you know, I mean, she was a very busy, active, working, hustling mom with three right. kids. So she fed us fast food, box food, you name it. And I mean, I didn't really understand certain components of, of health yeah. whatsoever. You know, it's funny you mentioned that about food because I, I don't know if Chris, you grew up in a family. I, I swimming was my first sport, and I remember going to swim meets, eating cheese whiz, rich crackers, <laughs> right? red vines, um, sodas. That was like the diet going into a meet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We didn't know any better. And, you know, you got fed what your parents gave you or what the kids were eating on the bus. Um, I think this was kind of typical of a couple decades ago. How, how did you yeah. eat when you grew up? Did you experience the same thing when you were playing football and whatnot with the, with the food? You know what's interesting is my mom just arbitrarily thought she had to load me full of carbs. <laughs> so okay. it was... If it was, you know, if we had a morning game, like if I, before I started in high school or college, it was tons of like waffles and French toast and pancakes with a couple eggs. If right. it was like late, later in the day, like it was like tons of pasta, potatoes, chicken and rice, like what's wow. really weird. That's why I always tell people like it was such that's an easy not, transition yeah, to that's bodybuilding. Bad, right? I know, that's great. That's Smart what I was moment. always used to eating. And yeah, yeah, yeah like she, she didn't know what she was doing and yeah. she had a really sensitive palate, so... It was, um, like, her opinion of spicy was pepper and salt. So, like, I was used to eating bland food. Right. Then into bodybuilding, it was just really easy to transition to measuring shit. Not the case with me at all. That wouldn't be... Yeah. No. I I mean, I'll tell you, I didn't eat breakfast. My mom made make me a sandwich every single morning, and I wouldn't eat until 9, 9.30. Right. I still don't like to eat breakfast to this day. I mean, it's definitely a forced... It's a forced meal, yeah, no doubt. Right, right. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't come by chance. Yeah. Or just because it's. I make myself eat meal one. Right. It's not easy. Okay, so you started working out. Um, so yeah, I found then- the I found the weight room in college because I didn't really have much of a of a place. I I mean, I gained gosh 30, 40 pounds. I was really battling some serious eating issues, some just mental battles in my head. Right. Um, and so I went to college too at a place I didn't want to go to school. There was a fight between my mom and I. So I greatly, greatly rebuilt my first year of college. Second year I got to go where I wanted to go. She gave in. <laughs> yeah. I thrived much more. Yeah. Um, so much that I got my undergrad in PR and marketing, which I loved. I mean, that was went to school for journalism, broadcasting and film. Mm-hmm. It was such a fun, awesome experience. But I saw myself on a music video that a friend had done in the class. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is not me. Like, that's not what I look like. I'd stopped looking at myself in the mirror. I'd stopped really kind of processing where I was. I mean, my weight had really got out of control, meaning that I was 185, 190 pounds, about a size 12, 14. Right. Um, And I mean, I didn't like how I looked at all. Yeah. And so at that point, I didn't know necessarily what to do and kind of guessing. So I bought a treadmill. I bought Oxygen Magazine subscription and I started doing like home workouts via Oxygen Magazine with my treadmill at home. I bought a dry erase board and then I started going to my college gym. Um, I got my master's in uh, health behavior in healthcare administration and I started palling around with the guys in the graduate programs at the Sports and Rec Center. And so they asked me if they could, you know, use me as a test dummy for different types of things. And I said, sure. One of my other friends, his girlfriend, was competing in a competition. I was like, oh, what's that? Right. And they're like, oh, you should come with us. So I started, like, hanging out with them and doing other things with them and um, went to a show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest, greatest, what, most what, what, awesome what thing What year ever. are we talking about here? Uh, so this is 2006. Okay. And this is at the Kentucky Muscle in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So I had gone to school at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, about 45 minutes north of Nashville. We right. called it Nash Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we drove up to Louisville where I was, 
you know, friend went to high school right. and watched this show. And I was like, wow, this is like the coolest thing ever. I mean, these girls were beautiful. They were muscular. They had on these gorgeous suits and high heels. And I'm like, this is like the perfect combination of being a beautiful, you know, female. Right. And at the same time, being able to be muscular and strong, too. At that show, I met Julie Laurie, who is, I mean, gosh, huge fitness icon for right. a long time. She is actually on the cover of Oxygen 2 on their their special abs issue because that girl had abs like you wouldn't believe. Right. And um, I just, man, connected with her and she was... She was what brought me into the sport. Okay. And she was a great role model. She was a great person for me to partner myself with. Okay. And she was my first coach. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. So to, you know, the figure and at that point there was still women's bodybuilding, correct? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So women's bodybuilding was the extreme. Yeah. Then you had figure that yeah. and physique wasn't even a competition. No, yeah, not at all. Right. So there wasn't even bikini when I first started either. So it was figure. It was women's bodybuilding. Right. Fitness and figure. So did they want figure and were they did they tell you that you needed to have more femininity, that you needed to be a lot softer than the bodybuilding girls? Was I mean, that not the, at all. I was twenty five years old. I was baby. You know, I, right. I had the foundation. I mean, I I was told at a young age that I had the the setup, I had the body, I had the you know form, I had right. all of those sorts of things. I just when I first started, I wasn't even remotely in condition. I was chunky. Right. <laughs> I was a little chunky monkey. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of us started like that. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> so um, I definitely, I mean, either maturity. overweight or super skinny, right, Chris? Yeah. Is that? I mean, most people kind of start. Yeah, I was super skinny. Right. Yeah. Well, you never told me. Were you skinny as a kid, Greg? What's that? Were you skinny? No, I've always, I've always been stocky. In fact, my freshman year to my sophomore year, I went from 140 to 180. I gained 40 pounds. All my lifts went up 100 to 200 pounds. Um, I just naturally put on muscle and then I graduated from high school, like almost 210. Yeah. So yeah, I was a linebacker and, you know, uh, center in most of my years and, uh, high school football. So I was always a bigger, stockier yeah. kid. Yeah, See, I, was, I wasn't. I was told my whole life I had these broad shoulders, stuff in your shoulders are so broad, so broad. So, and cheerleading, I mean, they definitely were to my advantage because I was always on all girls teams and I would shoulder press girls. That's yeah. what I do, you know, standing shoulder press. Oh. Um, and I love that. That was like right. the most fun thing to do is press one of my friends above my head. That was so the coolest thing ever. So you got to launch the girls up in the air, Heck right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. I was, I was the I wouldn't base. want to be the launchy. I was the base. The launcher. I was. I know. I love being the launchy. Um, <laughs> but so that's why it kind of fit whenever okay. it was like these girls had huge shoulders. So that's what I, I mean, kind of that foundation I had. And right. I didn't have any qualms in making them bigger. So when was your first show? When? So my first show was like six months after that. Okay. So, um, so I, this is 2007? 2007 was okay. my first show. And I did um, two shows back to back. And then subsequently that year, I did three others. So I did five shows in my first year. How'd you do in them? I did good. Yeah. Yeah, I did really good. Okay. I went and did the Dallas Europa my first year because, uh-huh. I mean, I did well at the local level. Right. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, at the Dallas Europa, I think there were like 30 girls in my class and I got in the top 10. So that was promising. Yeah. I was happy with that. Right, <laughs> I was right. ecstatic, actually. Yeah. Um, and then the following year, I did two shows. And that was a hard year for me in terms of like my career and trying to figure out how to balance competing my eating issues and, you know, all the yo-yo. Um, and I think that... And you were still going to school, right? Um, or I was, did you already I, graduate? I had already graduated. I okay. did my fellowship. I was actually in my career. Oh, Starting okay. my career. Okay. Um, so I was kind of learning that fine balance between competing and my career. And, I mean, that was hard. It was young. I mean, really trying to establish myself. and. Right you know, really following a passion and then also following a, a career path that I had chosen. Um, and so my third year, I I then did, gosh, four shows and got my pro card. Wow. So it was my third year of actually competing that I got my pro card. Okay. So. And tell me a little bit about that prep to get your pro card. What was Julie's philosophy? Yeah. Did she, did you just listen and do everything she said? Um or how, how did that go? Well, things that had actually changed because I worked with Julie my first year. Okay. And then my second year, I mean, very much in health. I worked in healthcare. 
Um, and so, again, trying to figure out my hormones and my body and a lot of things that just weren't working for me or things that I just I get so confused about. And confused about mean that I didn't understand how to process them within myself. And so I hired a naturopath to help me. Right. And I actually worked with like a naturopathic diet prep coach wow. for two years while I got my prep card, why I got my pro card. And I was actually with him when I got my pro card and okay. for a subsequent time after. And he was phenomenal. And did I mean, he balance out your hormonal issues? Oh, I mean, he helped me come to so many conclusions and helped me make decisions. And he was the coach that really taught me about great discernment and right. how to make choices for myself. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I am so thankful for his foundation, his guidance, his, I mean, just simple principles and practices that he really wanted to teach me. Because uh-huh. um, those definitely did get hard-rooted. And, I mean, they helped me make sense of bad coaching later. And they helped me not tolerate bad coaching for probably as long of a duration of time as I may have. Right. Should I have not have had him as a coach yeah. first and foremost. Okay. Um, I will by far say he's the best coach I've ever had ever okay in terms of communication dialogue sending me research and literature there being the open forum of you know communication right to and to and fro right. Um, right and i learned a lot and i think that as a client and when you pay for coaching services yep. that's what you want you want to be able to at least that's what i want and i want for my clients to be able to learn and be able to grow and make decisions for myself yeah so, so it's interesting because uh coach chris uh, you, you know, when he has clients and I've, you know, been working with him for three years now, this guy will get up at three in the morning, uh, as I get up for a show or the day before yeah. and we check in multiple times, yeah. you know, you eat a meal and then you check back in, That's you right. eat a meal, you check back in, yeah. you know, from, from water intake to carbs, to everything you're eating. I, th- I feel like a, a good coach has to be very granular with that. Oh, absolutely. And stay on top of their athletes. Yeah. And I think the better ones do that. And But he taught me the why. This right. is why we're doing this. This sure. is the reasoning. Not just because, not just arbitrary. The second coach that I worked with him, or the third coach, I should say, after him, I mean, they would just, it was like very much a dictatorship. Do this, do that. And anytime you'd ask a question, it wasn't communicated right and that doesn't make you feel good and you don't have great confidence in that and I mean my everything suffered because when you don't have confidence and you're not making the choices for yourself and somebody's doing it for you it just doesn't work so did you going into the pros and then doing pro shows um I know you didn't have the quite the success that you did in the amateur level and then turning pro do you think this is attributed to coaching your injury um, your life, you know, just you know, everything the, you were going through. At the or... end of the day, it's the way my life was supposed to pan out. Right. But also, I mean, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. And in that being said, I legitimately thought when I got my pro card that I had to position myself with a certain team or how to play the politics, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just part of it. So I did. I went with a big name team. It was phenomenal for me in terms of like my sponsorships. I was on the cover of Oxygen and a couple other magazines. Right. And that was a phenomenal experience. I mean, being on the cover of Oxygen, that was like bucket list. That's just... Yeah, no, that's yeah, huge. And still, and I was, I mean, honored to be on Robert Kennedy's tribute issue. And I had the privilege of meeting him and meeting Tosca. And that was just such an awesome experience that I will forever remember for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then, I mean, I got the experience of being on, you know, big banners at expos and going to, you know, different huge events. And that was awesome. But I did those things at the sake of um, compromising for bad coaching. (laughs) (laughs) So all of those experiences were phenomenal, yet they did not help my physique. Right. And, um, you know, that was short lived. That was for about a year and a half period of time, but a year and a half period of time that was just, it just raised havoc in my body. Yeah. And it took me about two years to reverse the negative effects of that. And let's be real. 
before even the not so great coaching, I had had eating issues and battling with those types of things. Right. So having that in my my background yep. didn't help my metabolism, didn't help my body. Yeah. Didn't help me look and feel like a healthy athlete either. So did so. you step away? <clears throat> So I actually then started training with Lane Norton. Okay. And Lane is actually who helped me um, work to rebuild my metabolism. He actually taught me and allowed me to accept my strengths. I mean, I am a brutally strong chick. Right. And that's a great tool to have in my toolbox. But at the same esteem, it's not something that I learned how to exercise a lot before I started training with Lane. And he really encouraged me to like push myself to, you know, deadlift 400 pounds and to, you know, go for it and not hesitate. And that was phenomenal and great for my body because it helped me really build a lot of muscle. And I mean, it, it most certainly challenged me (laughs) no doubt about it and beyond a shadow of a doubt it helped me rebuild my metabolism it it helped me create a a better foundation sure and i mean simple principles of training squatting deadlifting benching those are great things as a female to know and to have structure and doing yeah so that period of time was extraordinary so at this point are we talking about 2011. So this was 2011, you... 2012 when I moved to Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's when I started working with Lane. Okay. And then when did you, so you, at this point you're still working in healthcare, correct? I am. Yeah. And you're also, so you're training as a hobby. Yeah. When did you get into training people and in coaching then? So I actually left healthcare in 2015. Okay. Um, I made the choice and decision to get married. The person that I chose to marry had a gem. Um, I saw need for that gem to grow and to kind of raise its potential. With that being said, I I knew in my heart of hearts that I got two master's degrees because I did one for love and the other for money. Right. I was waiting for the opportunity to be able to do the one that I love right. now. Right. I might have rushed it, meaning that um, I did it with somebody else and not entrusting to myself Mm -hmm. to do it for myself. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went through four years of a relationship and I did. I made the decision to leave healthcare to start kind of what I'm doing, but within his business. Right. Right. Um, And under the umbrella of his brand. Yeah. Right. And so... That never felt really good. That was always kind of, you know, very punitive. This is mine, not yours. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. And so I just not never felt good. (laughs) Um, And especially whenever you're committing yourself to, you know, growing a business, growing a brand, you want to feel like it's, you know, you're a part of it. Sure. And so, you know, leaving that relationship for a multitude of reasons and big life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Very valuable life right. lesson. Right. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to now everything that I've wanted to be able to do the way that I envision this happening. Cause yes, I train these women, but I'm definitely much more of a, a life coach, a behavioral coach in a sense. Right. Um, and I'm helping them change their behavior and their practices and I'm really formulating a sisterhood in a community. Yeah. And that feels really great. Right. I mean, it feels extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. And I, one of the things I want to talk about um, with that point in mind is, and Chris, I got a question for you as well. So I was talking yep. to Stephanie about this. I said, out of, out of all your girls, how many of these girls do you actually have to counsel and use your health behavior background? <laughs> And how many are self-starters where you just give them a diet plan, a workout plan, and they go? Yeah. And they, if you tell them to jump, they say how high. Yeah. Stephanie, you're saying that number is, is what? <laughs> I said one out of every 10. One out of every 10. Chris, what's your number out of your clients? How many self I definitely agree. I mean, okay, so when I work with general population people like a large commercial gym, yeah. that percentage was probably similar to what she said maybe if i said i was at 33 percent, i'd be happiest can be right yeah right um now luckily in the environment that i work now it's for me it's like 70 percent. but it's mostly competitors you know what I'm right saying? they're so coming yeah. different environments 
um, you know, they come to us for a very specific reason, yeah. and that is to get into just knowledge condition. So I feel like my perspective there is a little jaded. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. when you work more with what I would consider junior population or people trying to lose, you know, fifty to hundred pounds or you know just be healthy, like that number is super low. Um, you know, what's interesting because something she said ten minutes ago that I would love to hear you talk about and elaborate on, Stephanie, is what you said about you know when you coach or when you were being coached. You love to know the why behind right. things and yeah. kind of the science. Um, I found like people are 50 50 on that in terms mm-hmm. of some people just want to be a soldier and say, Give me the order to mm-hmm. go. Sweet. But some people do need to know the difference. And sometimes delineating between those two can be very difficult. Um, so, have, what have you done in, in your coaching business to, you know, try to figure out the best way for that? Well, I'll tell you right now that majority of the girls who don't want to learn or take personal responsibility for their lives and their choices, I mean, they don't stay very long on my team. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, we have a three-month kind of starter program, and majority of girls stay much longer than three months. But the girls that it's not a right fit for them, and it's maybe too much, right? right? They do their three months, and they're and they're done. Yeah. And that's okay. I don't expect it to be the right, most perfect fit for everyone. But, you know, with this being said, I've really instituted what we call community time. And we all sit down together as a group. And I do small group training. So sometimes it's two girls, sometimes it's six girls, and it varies. And the girls love that it varies because sometimes they'll come and it'll be like a bigger group and they get one type of vibe. And then sometimes they'll come and it'll be them with another girl. And it's a totally different dynamic. And so I I feel as a coach that I'm trying to constantly ebb and flow. And then... It's like such women facts right now. But we all cycle on the same window of time. We're all on the same satellite. It it all (laughs) same. We are. And when a girl starts, we're like, you just wait, girl. And it does. It it totally, the peaches are in sync. Um, And so our training goes in conjunction with that too. Yeah. And I think that as a female coach, any coach that tells you that that shouldn't come into play, yeah, I would question them as a coach for a woman because that your hormones are so indicative of how how you feel and then how you feel is so indicative of your behavior and that's something that us guys don't get no you don't don't understand that's okay and i you know it's okay you don't have to get it right but um so i definitely tailor our training and different things we do to that but we have community time where we sit down together I have a text messaging group, a Facebook group, et cetera. I do a lot of things. What are these groups for the listeners, Stephanie, so people can find you on social media? What, well, what are, so they're, what are your groups, pages? they're groups for my girls, right? Yeah. But for the social media, everything Peaches Figure Salon. So Peaches Figure Salon on Facebook. Okay. Instagram. Um, and fi- Instagram too. Okay. And then I have um, Booty Blast with Stephanie Billings on Facebook as a group page where they can get workouts and stuff like that too. Okay. But when a girl becomes a peach, she gets part of our text messaging group and part of a private Facebook group where we share things. And I'll share oftentimes different YouTube videos or things of that nature. Some of the things are related to training. Some of the things are related to life. Some of the things are related to behavior. I just had two girls this past weekend compete. They're two girls who never in a million years would be friends with one another. They're not the type of girls that are like, hey, girl, let's go work out. No, they're not going to be friends. And so we shared a room together. We had an experience together. And so much of our team grew through that because we have open dialogue about those experiences. We accept women for who and what they are and where they are. And we don't try to change them. And that's a hard thing to say, okay, this is the way that this person is and I'm going to accept her for what she is. And we're going to all learn how to get along. Yeah. Right. That's not an easy thing to do. No, I know. It's not. (laughs) Um, And so this community time to answer Chris's question goes over the lot of the whys. And then after the community time is over, I mean, this this majority of time goes on for about 30 minutes. I schedule 30 minutes before a session, so they go about 90 minutes long. Right. Um, and the majority of the girls are, when they come to training sessions, they're there for anywhere between 90 minutes to two hours because they want to be together. And that's right. the beautiful part about it. Um, but at the end of this community time, I go over the workouts, I talk about what we're going to do. I talk about the why as to why I've set up the workout, the way that I've set it up. Mm-hmm. I do different groupings of exercises 
and different body parts and they know they learn this over time. Right. And then we set intentions. Every single girl that's about ready to train, we set the intention for the workout. So what is it that they want to accomplish today? What are they going to focus on? What are they honing in on? And it's good for them to verbalize that and talk about that out loud because then it allows the other girls to know kind of where they're at or what they're working on. And it, it gives them the ability to share. And they feel very much like a team. And taking the time to do that community time and versus just, oh, we're going to show up and we're going to work out and we're going to leave allows them to, you know, really set the stage yeah and to formulate those relationships with each other. Because yesterday, yesterday, one of my girls verbalizes how she's struggling. She's younger. She doesn't have really like a hone in focus on what her goals are just yet. And she is. She's 21 years old. I mean, did you know what you wanted to do when you were 21? Well, <laughs> I had some yeah, ideas. Somewhat. You know, you have some general yeah. direction. But if you don't have certain people helping you steer that ship, you can kind of feel a little bit lost in that. Right. Yeah. So nonetheless, another girl identifies that she's got that. And I told her, I said, you're not alone. We all go kind of through this. And we talked about that. And another girl shares that. And then they come together. Right. And that's the beautiful part of that you don't feel alone. You don't feel alone in your journey. You don't feel alone in the process. And we've all got stuff we got to work on. Yeah. And I, I feel like guys, by and large, are more of kind of lone wolves mm-hmm. in training mm-hmm. and doing shows. Like you'll pair up with a coach mm-hmm. or a workout partner, but then you're kind of on your own. There is no supportive group. We don't ask or seek out for that. Um, I feel like females do. So Absolutely. I think it's like a different beast. It is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches like Chris and I, you know, I train a lot of MMA, BJJ people that, you know, compete in worlds and Mm -hmm. Mm self-starters and people that are very driven. They have black belts. They want to compete at the highest level of competition. And um, so it's just kind of a different, different deal. It is. Yeah. What I I would love to know from you, Stephanie, is what have you found like behavior modification wise to help those people that struggle because like in my mm-hmm. world, and I think Greg, I think you definitely resonate with this. Like I couldn't, especially at a young age when I was training people in my early twenties, like mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out why people couldn't eat six meals a day. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do their Stairmaster before mm-hmm. they came to meet with me and why mm-hmm. they couldn't do training outside of my time. It didn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. Right. And like, I would love to know, like that's what, that's when, look, when people ask me what group I struggle with the most personally, it's the undriven and what would you say you found in your business that has helped those people be successful in the long run? I mean, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe in community. Um, and I believe in having very actionary goals and setting goals for yourself. And um, I think that even men can benefit from the community. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, firsthand. And although there may not be platforms and there may not be as many male teams um, to do things together in groups and have that sense of community is proven time and time again for individuals to thrive. Because when when you're surrounded with other people who are pushing you and who are doing the things that you maybe don't think that you can do and you're seeing that and believing that in yourself, I mean there's so much that's potential that's there's so much that's possible. I mean, right. the potential is, is so elevated. <clears throat> and so with the discipline that Chris is talking about and these groups of people who don't have it, it all boils down to choices and decisions and right. to be okay with those choices and decisions, whatever they may be, but to know that every choice and every decision like has a outcome. It has like, you have to, allow that outcome to be what it is. And I think that the most success that my clients kind of like have over time is knowing and believing that they have everything that they need, want, heart's desire, and everything that they want in their life and everything that they're going to kind of create in their life all stems within themselves. Right. And it's all formulated to and through them. I don't allow complaining. I don't allow bad attitudes. And if there is, we talk about it. It's not that we can't have feelings. We can have those feelings. Right. But we have them. We talk about them. Yeah. We address them. Not when you're working out. Not not when you're training. <laughs> right. But 
But that is an issue. Girls will show up to, you know, training appointments with other girls and with a bad attitude. And, yeah, yeah. and it's like, why do you have a bad attitude? And we, we talk about it. And, you know, I think so many times in our culture, especially in our culture, this people don't want to talk about things. And then also it's like if you have a difference of opinion or maybe if you don't see things eye to eye or if somebody's not on the same page with you, we so easily get offended and then, oh, we're done and just moving on. Right. Well, we're a team. We don't have the choice to move on. We have to learn how to be here and get along. Right. And that there, Chris, is where I think it's like that magic part of community where that happens, where it's called force in a sense, because you don't get the option to bail. You don't get the option to just run out and not address an issue. These two girls that didn't, you know, see eye to eye on things or maybe don't get along or maybe don't aren't relatable. They have to learn how to be in a situation together and thrive. Yeah. They have to learn how to have a positive experience. And let's be real and that that really translates to everything in life because one of these girls too um expresses to me that there's an amount of suffering that goes on in life well i don't necessarily believe in that right i don't believe that that we have suffering that's acceptable (laughs) (laughs) or that we're born to suffer right and some people do have that mentality that we're here to suffer and we're here to feel pain and we're here to have those experiences and that's very much a bodybuilding type of mentality too is it not i think i think chris will agree with that right chris yeah that's a body. <laughs> right. And so it's like, how do you, I love that. <laughs> how do you teach the people that, yeah, they're, it's, it's that you can thrive and get what you want at the yeah. same time. Yeah. You can go through the hard stuff and still be happy. Right. You can find joy in an experience, but it may not be, you know, the perfect right. dream scenario. Our mentality in bodybuilding to get down to three to 4% body fat is it's time to fucking suffer. Yes. So. That's different uh, it, than what I'm trying to do. It's different girls. than what you're trying to do. It's a different, and I don't even know if if you took ten girls and used our philosophy, um, maybe one or two of them would adapt and thrive. Yeah, but a maybe if you them, maybe if you took ten guys and used my philosophy, maybe they would be all shredded to the bone, three percent and happy. And not complaining the whole time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe we should try that out and see if it worked. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that, Chris? Chris Chris feels like we're born to suffer if we pick this sport. Uh, Agree to disagree. Yeah. (laughs) You know, to me, it's selling people delayed gratification. And, you know, it's no different than if you're building a business, um, you're going to have to work 100 hours a week, in my opinion, to be successful in the long run. So, in the short term, it may be awful. And to me, that's kind of rewiring the brain of a high performance mindset. And, mm-hmm. and listen, I realize that not everyone Amen is going to feel that, that way. Yep. That you know, they don't they don't wake up and, and want greatness. Um, and again, that's as I've told you, Greg, many times. Like those are the people I struggle with to reach or like connect with. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you want to wake up and yep. lose a hundred pounds or you know make a hundred thousand dollars in a month or you but know? Isn't that you the fun of blank. being a coach though? Is is taking somebody who doesn't know their potential, doesn't see their greatness, and learning how to manifest and then see that within themselves. I think that's the most amazing thing in the whole wide world. Yeah. I mean, is is somebody not even seeing? I I tell you right now, I have a client who is a broken powerlifter, and she told me she wanted to compete, and I literally like heart in my gut, and I was like, okay, and I even didn't want to say okay at first. I was because I in my she heart, wanted to compete in what? She wanted to compete in figure, and oh, I was okay. like, there is not a snowball. My instant reaction wanted to be, there's not a snowball's chance, and you know what. Yeah. Like ain't happening. <laughs> and if you saw her before photos, you would say it ain't happening. Right. Right. I mean, she had had hip surgery. I mean, serious. She couldn't even stand up straight. She right. couldn't even push back her in her rear delts because her she, her forward tilt was so <laughs> just off balance. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, for her to see, I can't tell you how many times I've looked in her eyes and just for her to see it, it is the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. And just to see that energy and that power that she has within herself, she was not even remotely as powerful as she is now as a human being. And she's a woman now living in that power. Yeah. And cool. to be able to coach her through that experience, 
it's worth its weight in gold. That's yeah. why I do what I do. There's no amount of dollars that are going to get the feeling that she gives me looking at me with that delight. Right. And no, she was getting divorced. It's, I mean, severe, chronic pain. Right. I mean, not happy in life. And now she's this confident, I mean, walking around, taking selfies, going out with her girlfriends, dressing up, putting on makeup. Like, yeah. this girl's wearing makeup. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No. So I think that that's, that's the challenge of being a coach right. is getting people to see what they don't see in themselves and knowing that they've got everything that they've got to get what it is they do want. Yep. So switching gears, let's talk about Stephanie. Cool. Let's talk about your switch in divisions, <clears throat> why you switched, what you think about the current state of figure and physique and bikini and fitness and just your whole take on the industry from where you started um, to where it is now. Oh, so we talked That was a lot, lot of questions. That was Sorry. A lot of questions. Yeah. I'll try to be short-winded too, which is hard for me. I won't lie. Um, so I started in 2007 with the one-piece and the two-piece in figures. So I actually had the privilege of wearing a two-piece as a pro even too. Right. I mean, or one-piece as a pro. Yeah. So um, I am from the, the age of one-pieces. Yeah. So to say that our sport has evolved, I mean, 12 years, right? Yeah, yeah 12 years. 12 years. So 12 years, a lot has changed. And I mean, when I first started in figure, what figure was then is more so what bikini is now. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the lines are more kind of crossed there. Right. Um, and so in terms of figure, I, I mean, I love it. There's not a single ounce of me that doesn't love figure posing, that doesn't love the suits, that doesn't love the flair, that doesn't love every single ounce about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with the evolution of bikini, I think it opened up the door for so many other women to compete in our sport. And at first I was just kind of like everybody else and that I wasn't really accepting of it. And it's like, oh, gosh, here's another division and it's going to lessen and weaken our sport. The level of competitors at the local level were just kind of not satisfying. Right. right? And when you work so hard as an athlete, especially like in bodybuilding and figure, and then you see these girls show up in bikinis, you're just kind of like, what's happening to our sport at first, right? Yeah. But to see where bikini is now, oh man, it is a beautiful thing. And yeah. I mean, I have great respect for a lot of my fellow bikini athletes and the competitors at the local level. I feel like my level of influence of trying to get them in the best shape possible, mm -hmm. like that's kind of the take that I see on it now is I'm going to try to help impact that and get these competitors to up their ante. Right. And I mean, we're trying to grow bodybuilding in the Pacific Northwest. So no better time than now to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so with fitness, it's what I've always wanted to do. I mean, I had a cheer background. I love that yeah. type of performance. Sure, sure, it's performing. Um, and it is performing. And when I was in my younger <clears throat> years, I was dealing with a severe injury. My body wasn't cooperating and doing what I wanted it to do. I was trying to manage a career. I mean, I was happy just to compete and figure and to be able to go to the gym and <laughs> do my cardio. Right. Like, I was happy for that, let alone what it takes now to practice a fitness routine. Right. And, man, I'm learning. <laughs> so, and, and you're, you're working with Tangie? Tangie Johnson? Okay. So 10 or 11 time IFB pro oh, I winner. Know. How blessed and am I? What is she won three Arnold classics? Yes, yeah. She's yeah. A she's, a, she's a legend. She is a legend. Yeah. Yes. You know, here's what blows my mind, Greg, about uh, fitness, right? They have to be just as lean as a figure girl. That's right. But they have to perform. Yeah. Like, it's, that's oh, such a wild experience. Like, for me, like, knowing what you have to do to get that level low body fat and then yeah. at the same time still be able to, like, flip and do push ups and. When you're depleted on stage, like that blows my mind. Um, yeah. I've been inspired by those people. It's really cool. I have mad respect for them, no doubt. And yeah. it's cool to know what it feels like to be depleted and, you know, be on stage in that form and then now have to process what it's going to feel like to do both. Right. Like, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's almost akin, you know, I've done jujitsu tournaments where you have to weigh a certain weight mm. with your gi and then you mm -hmm. fight. So, and then bodybuilding shows, you know, where I deplete. And, um, 
it's a whole different thing when you have to exert yourself physically in mm-hmm. when you're so mm-hmm. damn depleted that even posing mm-hmm. exerts you and wears mm-hmm. you out. You, you know that you couldn't compete on any level exertion wise like you have to do in a fitness routine. Mm-hmm. What is it? 60 seconds? No, it's two. It's minutes. two minutes, two minutes. Two minutes of two jumping minutes. and push-ups and, and tumbling, tumbling and stability and, holds and yeah. you name it. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I practice handstands. All, that's like all I feel like I do sometimes are handstands. <laughs> what, okay. So basically your switch has been, the, it was kind of behind the passion you've always had. Oh, absolutely. And you're just, yes. now, you're just now making it come well, to fruition. I mean, let's be real in that previously I was helping to run a gym and then also training clients and you know, now I have the ability to build and formulate my own business where I'm not having so many other distractions in my life. Yeah. And I can really focus and being able to have that focus and that intent. And I mean, I am rehabilitating my body and restoring my body. I mean, I have a severely torn left glute. I just tore my hamstring, my sacral tournament ligament that attaches through my hamstring. Yeah. I have a severe disc issue on L5, 4, and 3. Yeah. Um, I mean, it affects my whole entire body. Yeah. Um, and this is my way of working to heal and restore my body and to challenge myself with the same steam. Yeah. And how I have to challenge myself in restoring my body is no different than how I have to challenge myself in prepping for a fitness routine. Like it's no different. Right. And so the mental strengths in both of them, it gives me joy and pain at the same time. Yeah. So I know it's going to hurt really bad. And it is. It's the most painful thing I've ever experienced, yeah. bar none. Yeah. But I can get great joy through that and that I'm doing something that I love at yep. the same esteem. And so it's probably why I'm still bodybuilding. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that there is my why. A hundred percent. Yeah. So. That's why I made the choice. That's why I made the switch. And that's why I'm doing it. Do you have a show picked up in mind? And Tangie is like way more ambitious than I am. So, so is she doing is she is she doing your prep too? She's not doing my I'm doing my prep. I do my prep myself. And okay. then um I don't know if you're familiar with Colette Nelson, if you, you I know am. of her. She helps me with a, a variety of things as a as a friend and a mentor. Okay. And um so I partner with her on a multitude of things. And so she helps me in terms of diet and just checking my photos and that kind right. of stuff. And then Tangie is just routine. So she helps me my, with my routine. And then her husband is my physician doctor who, tra- who literally has been what I consider a miracle worker godsend in my life yeah. in helping me rehabilitate and, and work through this injury too. Okay. So with him and then I also work with Michelle LaRocque, who's a phenomenal massage therapist that works all up and down the Pacific Northwest. She's a traveling mobile massage therapist. Um, she's just great at Graston cupping, that kind of stuff. Right. So between the two of them together, it's just been such a perfect harmony of actually getting some. How's the training going with the glute and being able to do your routine stuff and How's that going? It's hard. I mean, it is. There are days and times where I, I mean, the coolest, most awesome part about it is I can feel things that I haven't been able to feel for 10, 15 years. And I mean, they told me at, so, so there's definitely some nerve damage, oh, absolutely. obviously. Beyond a shadow okay. of that, yeah. yeah. They told me at 21 that I would eventually lose the use of my leg, and that I would be in a walker, and that eventually it would go dead. And I will never forget, Michelle, I was in a bit of a panic and hysteria because that's what was happening to yeah. me. And I could feel it happening, and I was trying to get it to not happen. And, I mean, that's hard when somebody tells you something, you disbelieve it. You yeah. don't believe it at all. Right. And then it starts to occur, and you're like, well, wait a minute. I didn't believe that this was going to happen. And now it's happening. And so what am I going to do to stop it or change it? And so um, Michelle even asked me at one point, she was like, do you want to feel it? And I was like, I remember her, she was like, do you want to feel this? Because it's so incredibly painful, right? And I remember I slammed on the table. I was like, yes, like, absolutely. I want to feel it. Right. And so it was kind of like that moment of hysteria that took that action to make more change. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that change resulted in me leaving my past relationship so much. Right. Um, and in the same esteem, um, my body is changing every day. It's healing every day. Awesome. I can feel, feel things. And I mean, at points in doing a handstand, you have to use your glute to kick up. 
I mean, you use Absolutely. your glute. Yeah. I mean, I never realized how much you used your glutes oh, yeah. to do a multitude of things until I couldn't use mine. Right. Yeah. And so um, there are times when I do handstands that it's like my my glute pump is just unreal. But it's amazing. That's yeah. the, the best part about it is being able to see and feel my body change, being able to actually communicate to my body mm-hmm. and it do what it's supposed to do. And that I know that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Right. Chris, do you have any more questions? Are you limited in anything? Yeah. Do you, or is there anything you're limited in or have to work around, like in terms of like weight training with your lower body? Well, I can't, I can't complete. I don't have full flexion of my right knee. I have a torn labrum on my right side, and then I have all kinds of spinal issues, and then a torn glute on my left. So squatting is not the best thing for me, and barbell squatting isn't the best thing for me. Um, And I mean, really, I have to make sure my form's perfect in hip extension, thoracic spine extension, those sorts of things. Um, my spine gets deviated very easily. So any place where my you spine's going to be sister. compromised, <laughs> I have to be in perfect form. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of us, uh, bodybuilders deal with that same thing. Chris yeah, and I both do. aren't, we have love hate relationships with barbells, mm-hmm. deadlifts and squats ourselves. So this yeah, is... you get to a certain age and you've had injuries, That's right. you have to back off on some of this spine compressing loading stuff. That's right. And I tell my clients all the time, like nobody's going to feel sorry for what you got going on. No, they're not. And nobody no. feels sorry for me for having a torn glute. Nobody feels sorry about that. No. So I'm not going to feel sorry for myself, but I'm going to do the necessary things to change it. But I'm not going to do things that are going to hurt my body, right? Right. But just like Chris said, I, I try not to limit myself. I try not to say I can't do certain things because I just don't mentally want to do that. I don't. Yeah. But I make sure I have the proper form. If I can't do something perfect, I'm not doing it. Don't do it. No. Yeah. Well, not. I think that um, it, it's it's been an honor having you on, Stephanie. I definitely like to go in a little bit more uh, some other interview about, uh, what exactly you do training wise with girls and get them on stage. Um, and then just your regular training, you know, outside of, uh, the people that you put on stage, your regular gals that you train, what that looks like, you know, eating wise, how you get them to change their habits, the mental things Mm -hmm. that you give them, um, and go in a little bit more to the Peaches Figure Salon thing, maybe at a later date. And then also chronicle how you're coming um, into your show yeah. as well. That's yeah. going to be exciting. So yeah. do you have one this year or is it going to be next year? So it's probably going to be this year. Okay. Um, we're looking at, you know, end of summer. Okay. Of the fall. Okay. So like I said, Tangie's incredibly ambitious. That's the thing that I love about her though, is that she pushes me and she, you know, has high expectations. And right. that's nice to have somebody else putting those expectations, you know, in front of you and you being like, okay, I yeah. can do this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome having you on. And uh, for Chris okay. Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Coach Radio. Okay.